Good morning, Renewal. Welcome to another week of your stay-at-home sermon podcast. I hope this Sunday morning you are safe and warm and getting to experience God's faithfulness in the early days of 2021. Someone was telling me recently how they had shared one of my sermons, one of the recorded sermons, on uh, on social media and shared it with some other people and had gotten some feedback on it. And uh, I re- <laughs> remember my heart is just cringing a little bit because anytime that uh, a part of you is being shared broadly online with lots of people, it, you know, it's a, it's a bit of an act of vulnerability. And of course, my mind is thinking about what words I may have stumbled over or what foolish things I may have said. And, uh, and also who might be listening to it that doesn't know me from Adam and and what they might, uh, what kind of perception of me they might come away from the message with, and and uh, so really just worried about being misunderstood, um, and and even as I can acknowledge that I should just get over myself on that, uh, it it makes me think a little bit about how many times Jesus must have felt misunderstood uh, during his ministry years uh, here on earth. Um, you know, his his ministry was controversial. We got him killed, so obviously it was controversial. But um, he would he would say things, he would teach different things, and then at, at times his disciples would make comments or or behave in certain ways. You would hear the frustration in him, like, "How much longer am I going to have to put up with you?" Oh no, you're completely off, and uh, and frustration in that, and and just feeling misunderstood. I, I think one of Jesus's most famous sermons is probably the Sermon on the Mount. And of course, in that sermon, Jesus was directly confronting uh, kind of the conventional religious assumptions of his day. And he would confront these assumptions and he would insert into them a little bit of divine perspective. And, and, and in doing so, he was challenging just some of the popular theological stances of first century Jewish religion. And, uh, and of course, throughout his sermon on the mount, Jesus is pointing out where man's best efforts, man's religion to follow God just continually falls short, and he's providing guidance for those who would be seeking after God um, and, and guidance on how to understand what God's true intentions for their life would be, and yet, and yet through it all, he, he probably came away feeling very misunderstood at different times. Uh, his sermon starts in Matthew chapter 5, uh, talking about the Beatitudes. You know, he goes on, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the merciful. And, and these phrases are kind of being thrown out as the opposite of the, the conventional values and the typical aspirations of the religious masses. I don't know anyone who's going out seeking to be poor in spirit or looking for opportunities to mourn. Um, and yet he calls these, these people blessed in the Beatitudes. He moves on talking about salt and light, and, and he warns his followers that their righteousness actually has to surpass the Pharisees. And I don't, I don't know if we have anything in our Christian circles that would equal the Pharisees, but I just couldn't imagine picking out the holiest of holy people in our culture, you know, however the saintliest of saints might be, and saying to the masses, hey, your righteousness has to be uh, better than that. Um, These kinds of statements would push the standards uh, so impossibly high. 
He continues this sermon in chapter 6, giving some words on giving and prayer and fasting and storing up treasures in heaven and trusting God and not being afraid. And then in Matthew 7, he talks about not judging and, and encourages people to, to ask and to seek and to knock. And, and, and then in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, he makes this statement. This is our text for today. Matthew 7, 13, he says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The old King James uh, in this passage described the gate as, as straight is the gate and narrow is the way, which is kind of the proverbial uh, English-American, the straight and narrow road, right? And of course, uh, when I was growing up and heard of the straight and narrow road, I thought of a road that was narrow and a road that was straight as an arrow. Uh, but this straight means restrained or difficult or hard to pass through. It's it's the straight that we use when we're talking about a straight jacket that you know they put crazy people in, and and not so much the straight that's talking about like a straight edge we used to draw a straight line. But anyhow, I think of this passage coming up in my church life, and typically when it, it would come up. It was, it was being, being brought up as a way to contrast the popularity of the two ways, the popularity of following Jesus or, or not following Jesus. You know, maybe a, a youth leader is, is encouraging me to make what would be unpopular uh, decisions for my social life in the interest of, of holiness and purity, and, and he would answer my concerns about my own popularity with, well, narrow is the way, few are those who find it, you know, following Jesus isn't a good way to make friends. Um, and of course, if I'm making popular choices uh, and choices that everyone else is making, well, you're probably making the wrong choices and you're headed uh, straight to hell on a highway. Anyhow, today, I, I just, I wanted to talk about this passage of scripture, but I, I didn't really want to talk about uh, the popularity of the two ways so much as talking about the nature of the two ways, which really explains the popularity of the two ways when you understand any little bit of human nature. But um, there's there's a reason that one way is popular and many people find it, and a reason that one way isn't. You know, the broad gate is popular because it's easy to find. Uh, things that are noticeable are things that are easy to find. I mean, when was the last time you lost an object that was, you know, much smaller than your head. You just don't lose large things. Uh, I know I worked at a church one time. That we, di we didn't have a sign for our building. And at one point, a friend was meeting me there at our building, and it, he couldn't find it. You know, he's, he, he finally finds it, and he's so frustrated, and he remarked to me, angry, like, geez, what, you don't want people to find your church? And I didn't, I didn't have any good answers for him. <laughs> There's a reason people make signs big for their businesses, or, or that there's a reason people, uh, yeah, have have an easier time finding certain things versus other things. You know, bigger things are easy to find, and and part of the reason that the road to destruction is so popular is because the gate to it is is large and easy to find. It's easy to find uh, trouble when you're looking for it. Um, yeah, the other description we have of this road is that the road to destruction. Is, is wide. You know, some translations will say the way is easy. I think 
Of course it's popular. Who doesn't like the easy way? I think I've remarked on this before, but I appreciate it so much. It's worth bringing up again, but I think it was about a year, year and a half ago, they they repaved that section of 15th Avenue between like Safeway and Washington Way. And, and even this week I drove it. And I just, every time I drive it, I just marvel at how smooth and quiet it is. And, you know, especially with my cars, they're getting a little bit older. So if you're not driving on a very particularly smooth and quiet road, the, the ride can be a, a little bit noisy. And I'm driving down 15th Avenue and it's just, it is so, it's so easy. I just, I love it. It gives me joy every time. And and I imagine this way that leads to destruction. And in my mind, I'm picturing a, a nicely paved freeway, right? With a wide open, huge wide open gate. You can't miss it. And I think, you know, you tell me, well, which road you would rather take the family car on, the freshly paved freeway or, or the goat path. And, you know, there's just something about our human nature that it longs for, or it's attracted to, maybe it doesn't long for, but it's certainly attracted to ease and, and comfort. Uh, there's something about our human nature that dreams of the opportunities to cast away responsibilities or to take a vacation every now and then. And these things, of course, are they're enjoyable and even permissible in, in part. I'm not saying that comfort or vacations are bad. I'm, I'm just saying this is why the Broadway is popular and why the narrow way not so popular. Uh, the Broadway is easy to find. It's easy to travel. And yet, on the other hand, the way that leads to life, Jesus calls it uh, the straight the straight and narrow way. The way is, is straight. The gate is small. The gate is confined. You know, those who are claustrophobic are going to be triggered <laughs> when they walk through the gate that, that leads to a restraining path. Um, I'll tell you why people don't find it or many don't travel down it. You know, I was, I remember watching some years ago, uh, like a National Geographic special, and these people are underwater diving in these caves with a scuba tank. And so, I mean, they're diving in a cave with a scuba tank. So there's, there's limited air right there. And for me, that's, that's strike one. And then, and then they're going into this pitch black cave where they have nothing but flashlights underwater to guide them. And, and for me, that's strike two. And then if, as if that's not bad enough, they're going along and they're looking at the rock formations and isn't this wonderful and I'm hyperventilating just watching it. And then suddenly they're having to squeeze through these extremely narrow passages that are between these large grand caverns. Of course, you wouldn't squeeze through it if there wasn't something amazing to see on the other side, but they're squeezing through the metal tanks are clanking on the rock roof and their soft bellies are dragging across the cave floor. And I'm just saying, no, thank you. I mean, strike three, I'm out. The way that leads to life is narrow. Some translations say the gate is extremely narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And so few are those who find it. I think about this straight and narrow way. I think, what is, why is it so narrow? What's so hard about it? You know, to, to a youth group kid uh, trying to follow Jesus and, and lamenting about how difficult it is, you know, I know in my mind the, the, the hardest part of being a Christian was that uh, at times it meant I, I had to make unpopular social decisions for myself. Um, <laughs> the fact that not all of my friends were on the narrow way with me seemed like the hardest part. But, you know, the longer that I walk down this narrow way, 
it seems that the real difficulty in it is because there are all these twists and turns. It's because there's not a lot of wiggle room. There's not a lot of space to kind of veer off and drive my own way and still be on the, the right path. You know, on a wide road, uh, you can hold the wheel steady, you can set the cruise control, and, and you can push ahead at full speed while you daydream about something else. I mean, we've, we've driven, my family, we've driven to Minnesota where, where my wife's family is and, and, you know, my kids' grandparents and cousins and uncles and aunties, and, and we've driven to Minnesota around 10 times, driven the 2,000 miles to Minnesota. And there are stretches of Interstate 90 and 94, you know, going across Montana and the Dakotas in particular, there are stretches of road where you can set cruise control, hold the wheel steady, and you can just rest your eyes for a bit, just, just a little bit, because you've been driving a long time and you're feeling a little sleepy. But there's stretches of the road where you can do that. But when you're driving across the Western Rocky Mountains in the Idaho Panhandle, and, and for some reason, when you're driving in this part of Interstate 90, the traffic's always terrible. You're 100 miles from anywhere, and yet the freeway is full of vehicles, and they're all flying, you know, 75 miles an hour, winding through these mountain curves, curve after curve. You wouldn't even dream of cruise control, much less resting your eyes. And, and that's the image that I get when I think of the narrow way that leads to life. It's narrow. It has all these, it's hard because there's all these curves and, and, and the course uh, that seemed so clearly right for a period of time, it, it, it changes over time. And so as a follower of Jesus, I feel like I find myself constantly having to reassess and make adjustments and get back on the narrow way. I, I, there's, I wouldn't dream of cruise control. I mean, you could use it, but you'd go plowing off a cliff, guaranteed. The difficult way demands that there's vigilance all day and all night. And on the narrow way with Jesus, I'm, I'm constantly confronted with my wrong assumptions all of the time. I remember uh, uh, growing up in church, and we, and we would say for years and years and years, love the, love the sinner, hate, hate the sin. And then our leadership team was reading a book a couple of years ago that had the line in it, love the sinner and hate your own sin, as a suggested replacement for the, the standard Christian line of love the sinner and hate their sin. And so I, I remember f- feeling in that moment, like as if Christianity wasn't hard enough to figure out without hating my own sin, um, I had grown quite accustomed to loving my own sin and just hating the sin of others. And yet uh, something in this saying struck a chord in my heart. I know it struck a chord in some of our other leaders' hearts in the body. And and we found ourselves having to make a course correction that we had, we'd never really made before. Many of us have been Christians our whole lives. And yet suddenly the straight and narrow way of Jesus took a turn that we hadn't anticipated. When walking with Jesus, I'm confronted by my pride and by my bias all the time. When I'm walking with Jesus, I am constantly humbled by the holiness and the selflessness of my Savior. And on the narrow way I find myself in communion with a God who, the the longer I walk with him, he becomes greater and grander and more and more mysterious. There's something about our human nature that longs for ease and comfort. And yet there's something about the narrow way 
that doesn't allow for so much ease and comfort. So I want to ask you today to, to take some time to consider, to look around, and, and even ask yourself, which way are you on? Which path are you walking on? Jesus said these words to a crowd that consisted of the equivalent of dutiful churchgoers. I mean, the Jews in first century Palestine, they were the remnant of Israel. They were the faithful few. They were the two tribes out of the 12 that were still living true to God's law, even in the hard circumstances living under Roman occupation. And yet, these words were spoken to that crowd of dutiful churchgoers, and it was meant to challenge each one of them in their heart. You know, when was the last time that your faith really challenged you? When was the last time that you were confronted with some way that you were off and you had to make an adjustment in your course? How long have you gotten away with resting your eyelids with the thing set on cruise control? You know, this verse is a hard verse to digest. And oftentimes what God's people do when he gives them hard words to digest is, is we decide we would much rather deflect than digest. Oh, oh, narrow is the way that leads to life. Well, I'm going to spend some time smugly thinking about how many people I know are not on that way rather than considering where I might be wandering or be deceived myself. Oh, oh, broad is, is the road. Easy is the road that leads to destruction. Well, well, I would, rather than reflect on the ways that I might be drowning in my own comfort, uh, rather than reflecting on the adjustments I might need to make so I don't glutton myself to death, I, I would much rather point out how the crowds of others are obviously on the wide and broad path that leads to destruction. And so today, I just want to invite you to digest Jesus's words. Let's just assume that he would have written them down, recorded them in scripture, even if it was only for you to hear. And we can worry about the application of these words to our, our neighbors or our children or our spouses later. After we've opened our own ears, after we've opened our own hearts to the correction of the master's voice. Now, I can acknowledge, you know, some of you might feel like you're driving down easy street because God's, you know, filled your life with circumstantial blessings. And if this is the case, I say enjoy those seasons of life uh, because <laughs> the way following him is, is narrow. And so by nature, it's not going to always be that way. But, you know, every trail has a good place to stop and enjoy uh, some shade or enjoy a good snack. So I'm not saying that if I ask this question and you're like, man, things are going pretty well in my life. Well, you must be living in sin. You must be, you know, riding down the, the road straight to hell. Uh, but I'm encouraging you to take some time to evaluate the path that you're on in light of Jesus's words. Again, the path that you are on. Let's not worry about our neighbors today. You know, Jesus is the good shepherd who leads his sheep, and he said of his sheep, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And the shepherd knows where each path leads, and the shepherd knows better than anyone which path you are on today. So I want to encourage you to take time today to talk to him about which path you are on. Take time this week to think about the road you're on. As we're launching into a new year together, I want to be sure of which path we are on. And even if the way isn't easy, even if the way is narrow, I want to take that narrow uh, and difficult way together, uh, believing that uh, there's room enough on the trail for all of us and that our Good Shepherd 
uh, only leads us to good places. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your guidance in our lives. Uh, We thank you that you have called each of us to walk on this path to life. Uh, We pray that you would give us grace to keep our feet on the path, uh, that you would give us strength to keep moving up the trail, and uh, you would deliver us from the moments when we uh, tend to wander. We thank you for your faithful love, and we just ask you to guide us going forward. In Jesus' name, amen.